And welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order, and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Ben. And I'm Sarah. Thank you for listening to us today. How are you doing, Sarah? Doing good. Getting stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, what, 90% done here in the house in the unpacking process, would you say? 85, maybe? I would say, like, 98. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's good, then. (laughs) (laughs) But other than the unpacking, no real exciting news, I think? Yeah, I think we're continuing to live our lives successfully. (laughs) I mean, yes, successfully living. That's right. Uh, Well, what are we watching today? Today, Sarah, we are back in Mexico for La Bruja from 1954, directed by Chano Urreta. So we're back in the golden age of Mexican horror films. Awesome. The last Mexican horror movie that we saw was The Resuscitated Monster, which was also directed by Chano Urreta. And that was like 53. Yeah, that would have been a year earlier. Um, He's directed three non-horror films in the year since that movie. And he also co-wrote the script for La Bruja with Alfredo Salazar, who would become better known as the writer of the Aztec Mummy trilogy in the late 50s, which we'll be getting to eventually. What is that like the Hammer Horror stuff? No, that's still Mexican horror films. Oh, okay. Yeah. La Bruja, uh, if you don't know, just means the witch in Spanish. Um, Other crewmen returning from the resuscitated monster include producer Sergio Cogan, composer Raul La Vista, cinematographer Victor Herrera, editor Jorge Busto, and production designer Gunther Gerzo. The film's star is Lilia Del Valle, who was born in 1928 in Mexico City under the name Lillian Walker Gundlach, to uh, German immigrants. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't really sound Mexican. That sounds German. Yeah. At age 15, she was discovered by Mexican film producer Alejandro Salkind, who was himself an immigrant from Russia, and is better known today as Alexander Salkind, producer of the Superman movies. Oh. She did some screen tests for Salkind, and she began taking acting lessons. And she appeared in her first film at age 21, working with director Fernando de Fuentes, who we know as the director of Phantom of the Convent. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. She very quickly became a major movie star in Mexico, although she found the amount of makeup she had to work with for her performance in La Bruja to be an ordeal. Oh, does she play the witch? She is the witch, yes. Oh, I just assumed she was going to be, like, the threatened woman. No, She retired from acting in 1966 to raise a family, and she passed away in 2013. That's really cool. Her co-star in this movie is Ramon Gay, who was born in 1917 in Mexico City, so... Like 10 years her senior? Yeah, and was a railroad worker until he started taking acting lessons in 1943. 
He started appearing in movies as an extra in 1946, before working his way up to a solid career as a performer in a variety of genres in the 1950s. He is best remembered today for his starring role in the Aztec Mummy trilogy, which I already mentioned. Is he, is he the mummy? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Sure. I feel like being a railway worker, I feel like that doesn't happen unless someone comes to you and goes like, hey, you're really buff. I think they need you in the movies. <laughs> do you do your own stunts? I feel like... I don't know, maybe it was something where, like, you know, he was doing some impressions on his lunch break, and people were like, oh. you know, you should really try out. <laughs> so La Bruya was released October 6th, 1954. It was another successful horror film for Ureta, and um, continued the growth of the horror genre in Mexican film that would sort of explode as the 1950s went on. Uh, like all of these Mexican horror classics... Uh, it has been a real struggle to find a copy. Yeah, not not a lot of great support for, like, the release of, like, classic Mexican cinema in, like, English-speaking territories. And that's really... That's a shame. It's a shame. It's also surprising given the, like, population of the United States. Like, you'd think there'd be a bigger market for it. Um, but regardless... The copy that we are watching was uploaded to a Mexican cinema Facebook fan page. Okay. Um, and is in, like, less than standard definition. And we're watching it with subtitles from a subtitle file that I downloaded off a subtitles website. Okay, so at least it's not a situation where, like, the subtitles are in Russian that were getting auto-translated into English. Yeah, or, like, based on auto-created captions from the Spanish. Like, theoretically, these subtitles should be correct or, like... Near. Near correct. Um, but definitely the picture quality is less than superb. Well, that's okay. So if you'd like to watch along, ladies and gentlemen, you can find this pretty easily by looking for La Bruja 1954 in like a Google video search. It'll take you to the Facebook page that has this, but it won't have subtitles on it. Subtitles sold separately, basically. <laughs> well, despite this questionable viewing experience, I'm still pretty excited. Yeah, we'll see what this film has to offer. Folks, hopefully you can watch along. You're going to hear a brief musical interlude, and when we come back, we will discuss La Bruja. From 1954, directed by Chano Uvureta. See you on the other side, everybody. back to Scream Scene. We just finished watching La Bruja from 1954, directed by Chano Ureta. Ben, what did you think? I don't know. Um, I think our boy Chano really liked the movie M. Yes. Yes. But, like, I mean, 
Yes. But, <laughs> you lost for words. <laughs> wow. A little, a little bit, yeah, but... Um, that never happens. <laughs> I can, you know, talk about this more later, but this is also still the same basic story as Resuscitated Monster, structurally speaking. I can talk about that more later, but you can definitely draw a line from that movie to this movie. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the thing about this movie is, like, my number one takeaway from this movie was that it's very bizarre. Yeah. And each time you think you know what horror formula you're watching, it's not that. Yeah. There's a lot of tropes here. Same with Resuscitated Monster. And they're all collected, and they're, like, in a way that, like, you aren't used to these things really being connected like this. But... Which is unique. Sure. You know, it's kind of fun to see. And a once, remixing. Yeah. And once the movie's over, and you can kind of take a step back and see the entire picture, then it's like, oh, I see what formula this was all along. Yeah. But when you're in it, it's like, wait. What? Yeah. So why don't we go through the story and do our best to lend it some coherence? Sure. I don't think this movie is, like, difficult to follow. No. Yeah, it's not like we're given just a ton of puzzle pieces and we have to put it together. It might just seem that way as I give this synopsis. Yeah, it's just, the movie's not so much hard to follow as it just tells its story in a way that you might not be, like, used to. Yeah. Sort of like if you were watching, like, I don't know, an episode of Law and Order, and then they just, like, walked into the basement of, like, a wizard coven... <laughs> And they were like, ah, yes, the wizard coven that we all know about. And the wizard was like, ah, the Law and Order boys, excellent. And you're like, wait, what? That's kind of like this movie. Yeah. I like that you say Law and Order boys as if, like, it's the same people doing the law and the order. When right, which is, like, explicitly like, it's, it's not. It's, yeah. There's a clear delineation. Yeah, they make a point of it in the opening credits. Yeah. So we open with Dr. Burner who is a chemist. Now, he develops drugs and antibiotics to sell to pharmaceutical companies, almost like a freelance chemist, and he's come up with this new antibiotic, which is apparently, like, a really good antibiotic. Yeah, like, it's, we it's don't get specifics, shit. but it's, yeah, it's the shit. It's the bomb. The past four formulas that he's come up with, he's sold to an unnamed pharmaceutical company run by these three men, Jan... Gunther and Fedor. Dr. Brunner is currently just dealing with Jan and Gunther in this meeting, and they're offering too low a price. See, Dr. Brunner needs a certain amount of money, and presumably a lot of money, to, quote, continue working on a solution to better all mankind. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> so, he turns down their offer... He's gotten some other um, potential buyers, notably um, a company who's out in Budapest. So he's like, no, you know what? Like, I thought I would give you guys a chance since, you know, we have this past working relationship, but I need a bit more money than that, so I'm going to go somewhere else. It's probably worth noting that this movie is set somewhere in the Balkans in Eastern Europe, somewhere. It's not super specific, but everybody's got, like, Germanic, Eastern European names, and when he talks about this institute in Budapest that's giving him an offer, at one point he talks about, like, catching the train to Budapest. Which, like, 
means he's not in Mexico. <laughs> I mean, I guess he could catch a train from Mexico City to the port where you'd be catching a ship. Yeah, but I don't think you would phrase that. That's like saying, like, <laughs> yes, I can take a train. To, like, if I was going to Tokyo for a vacation, I definitely wouldn't mention catching the train to Tokyo. That's that's an absurd way to talk. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're supposed to be in Eastern Europe here. Now, Gunther is a little worried. Uh, they kind of needed to get this formula. But Jan says, don't worry, Gunther, I have a plan. Uh, let's hire some muscle to handle getting the formula. And Gunther's like, won't Fedor not like that? And Jan is like, Fedor doesn't have to know. Gunther and Jan are like co-founders of this company with Fedor's dad, who's like dead now. And Fedor's like young and idealistic and is like, shouldn't we just pay the guy the money? We were rich and we need this formula to get richer. Like, why don't we just do business this way? Whereas like, Gunther and Jan seem like, you know, they came up from the bad old days when you had to, like, crack some skulls to, like, get your start in the pharmaceutical company business, and they're just used to doing things that way, and we're just going to keep this quiet from Fedor, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so, that night, um, before Muscle arrives, Dr. Berner is called away to help uh, a friend of his named Palesco with a stab wound. And we learn that Palesco is basically, like king of the criminal underworld. Um, yeah, like that guy from Hunchback and Notre Dame, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's... The uh, casting VJX from Freaks got cast in this movie. Yeah, it's like a community of underground homeless people, some of whom are, like, disabled, some of whom are, like, disfigured, but, like, they're all poor and homeless and they live in like the the i don't know catacombs beneath the city it's like this basement sure and they're ruled by palesco palesco who they call master it's it's very victor hugo yes so the they they know the doctor he's treated many of the people here and they're like you gotta come help our master palesco he's been stabbed in the back uh, among the people that we meet when the doctor goes to help Palesco is a woman who they only call the witch. And she's this um, disfigured woman, um, does not appear to have any kind of magical powers. Yeah, the first, like, curveball this movie throws you is that, like, she, the witch of the title is not, like, a witch. They just mean that, like, she's really ugly. It's like, more that's... like, it's like if you were to call someone, like, a hag. Mm -hmm. That's more what they mean by the witch. Mm -hmm. Even though the direct translation of La Bruja is witch. Yeah, but... yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, that's what she's called, the witch, so, mm -hmm. yeah. But Dr. Berner, you know, he's very kind to everyone, including the witch, and he does save Palesco's life. And so he heads back home, where he discovers that uh, the uh, hired muscle... Um, have killed his daughter, Murda, and just destroyed his lab. So he vows vengeance to find who's done this. The hired... And becomes the Batman. <laughs> the hired muscle did a really poor job because, like, before Dr. Burner left, he basically was like, Murda, here's my, like, latest formula. Like, protect this. Here, I'll leave it with you. And then these hired muscles show up and, you know, attack her. And we find that she's dead. And then... We find out later that, like, with the hired muscle, go back to Jan and Gunther. And 
They've completely botched it. They haven't found the formula. Right. They killed someone they weren't supposed to kill. Like, Jan and Gunther are like, get out of here, you fools. Like, you yeah. fucked up. They were supposed to go in and, like, maybe rough him up for the formula or, like, rough somebody up. But, like, get the formula. And they killed a person. And it's the person who, like, he left the formula with. So, like... Did they not even think to search her? Yeah, they did a very bad job. And now Dr. Burner is, you know... Angry. Mm -hmm. And you won't like him when he's angry. Yeah. He goes back to Jan and Gunther, and Fedora is in this meeting now. And they're like, yeah, we we heard what happened. We're really sorry, but uh, here's a new lower price. (laughs) And our sympathies. We can't afford to even offer you the like, shitty price we offered you before, but we do feel bad for you, given that your your daughter was killed by who knows who, so here's a, a really shitty offer as, like, a pity consolation. Dr. Burner takes it, but this is when he starts kind of putting two and two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Fedora's in this meeting, he uh, believes that Fedora was in on it as well. Yeah. Now, I mean, I can understand that he, you know, went with the lower price, given that he does have one less mouth to feed and doesn't have Ooh. to send Murda away to, like, the yeah, expensive... Yeah, she was going to go to Paris for, for university. Yeah, so, like, you know, his <laughs> costs are less, so I understand. You know, at least this murder happened before um, he could pull out of all of the tuition costs right, and get, exactly. get a refund. Yeah, yeah, so, like, he doesn't need as much as he needed before. <laughs> Jesus, Okay. Okay. So we get some, like, mad scientist shit, a little bit of a, a montage there. Um, we see him doing some, like, experiments with the heart, and it's, like, suddenly beating links to his stuff, and he's like, yes, it's all coming together. <laughs> that heart never comes up again. Yeah, that doesn't seem to matter. So Dr. Burner goes to Palesco, and he's like, Palesco, I need the witch. I need, I need her for my machinations. And Palesco's like... Sure, she's my slave. She's now your slave. All done. And the witch is like, all right, Dr. Burner, you're now my, my master. Great. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll the, serve you. <laughs> the exact, like, relation of Palesco and these people underground is is a little bit undefined. Like, they all call each other, like, brothers and sisters of the night. And, like, they refer to him as master. And he definitely calls them his slaves. But, like doesn't seem to be like a straightforward economic relationship. <laughs> like they aren't doing any work for him or anything. No. Um, but yes, uh, the only conditions that she is under is like she has to obey absolutely everything he tells her to do. And the first thing is uh, he takes her to a party and they look in through the window. And he's like, you see those three men? You're going to kill them. And she's like, all right, going to kill them. And if I disobey you? You can kill me. That's how sure I am that I'm going to kill these men for you, Doctor. Yeah, the people underground are, like, very, very beholden to Dr. Burner. Like, I guess he's probably been providing them with free medical care. But also, like, the thing about the witch is, like, even in the underground community, she's, like, super, super put upon. Like, even in this community of people with, like, disabilities and disfigurements, everyone still in that community shits on her. So she just has, like the lowest self-esteem. And so the fact that the doctor's like, hey, I need you, like, is enough to, like, make her, like, infinitely grateful, basically. Making her even more grateful is he concocts a potion 
that removes her deformities. <laughs> this is his big, like, scientific discovery where it's like, I've discovered the secret to, like, eternal youth and beauty or whatever. But I think the movie does something very smart by, even though it's like, yes, he's a scientist and this is a science thing that he scienced up, they don't attempt any kind of scientific rationalization. It's just, it's a thing I made that does this. And yep. you, you don't have to, there's nothing about glands or nothing. Nope. It might as well be magic. Um, yeah, except it's called the witch and he's not the witch. Right. And the witch has no magic. Right. Anyways, we get a little bit of a my fair lady moment where he's like, I shall now mold you into someone with like manners and someone who's used to wearing like fancy dresses and etc. Jan, Gunther, and Fedor are kind of all abuzz because some new, uh, countess with a lot of money has come into town and the newspapers are all over it they don't give any kind of details as to who this person is except that she has money so Jan and Gunther at the very least are like very excited to meet this person so they throw a party in her honor and this is where we get introduced to Nora Countess of Novak uh who previously known as the witch right she's hot now <laughs> they took off her glasses and she's hot now Dr. Berner's cover story is that Nora is funding a new research facility for him, so he's been brought along as well, um, and that's like their relationship there. Now, Jan, Gunther, and Fedor are um, kind of all over themselves to get at her. Um, Fedor is a bit more uh, charming about it, um, whereas Jan and Gunther are like, hubba hubba! <laughs> There's some implication that, like, Jan and Gunther are interested in, you know, becoming partners and, and getting her money. And Fedor's not so interested in that. But all three of them are interested in, like, you know... Awooga! Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Nora goes on a date with Gunther. He keeps trying to bring up business, becoming business partners in this new facility. And she's like, oh, well, we're, we're out having fun. Let's not talk business. He tries to kind of wine and dine her, and she's like, these places are boring, Gunther. I've heard of a place uh, down on, like, the dregs of society we should check out. I hear it's really exciting. <laughs> and Gunther's like, oh, okay. So, uh, Nora leads Gunther to the underground to face the night court. <laughs> you are about to enter the courtroom of the night court. <laughs> the people are real. The cases are real. The rulings are deadly. <laughs> this is night court. <laughs> oh, man. Now, before Gunther gets taken down into the night court, a couple things happen. Nora ditches him and goes to go have a date with Jan. Yeah, she just, like, walks him up into the crowd of, like, homeless people and just kind of, like, pushes him into it and just, bye! And, like, yep. leaves him to get dragged down into the underground. Stone cold. <laughs> the other thing that happens is Dr. Burner becomes the newest member of the Night Court. So, it's... It's like like the Freemasons, I guess. These people in cloaks with their faces covered, uh, led by Pelesco. And Dr. Burner has to, like, stab his hand with this dagger to join. 
whatever. Yeah. There's, like, astrological symbols everywhere. It's a weird cult. It's a weird cult. This was definitely the moment in the movie where I was like, wait. What? What is going on? Because just suddenly Dr. Birder was down underground with Palesco and a bunch of dudes in, like, black, like, cult hoods being like, you are being inducted into the judges of the court of the night. And I'm like, wait, what what movie is this? What's happening? So Gunther is now facing the night court. And apparently, according to Palesco, people will bring charges to someone and the people uh, attending the night court, the everyday people, salt of the earth, Right. Get to decide whether you are guilty or innocent. Mm-hmm. And, Gunther, you are being held for the death of Dr. Berner's daughter, Myrda. And Gunther's like, what? I had nothing to do with it. Everyone knows that it was two men who did it. I, I have nothing to do with it. Yeah. And um, that's when Dr. Berner stands up and lowers his hood and he's like, bring out the two men. The two men who were the muscle are brought out, and uh, they they implicate Gunther, and Palesco's like, these two men are going to be executed, but we'll have them fight to the death to each other, and the person who survives will be able to execute Gunther. So we get a knife fight, and they kind of kill each other, like one gets stabbed in the heart. And then that guy isn't quite dead yet and manages to stab the other guy in the back. And then Gunther is like, they, they, they're both dead. I guess I, guess I, I go, go free. free. And then the guy who got stabbed in the heart somehow manages to throw a knife right into Gunther. So Gunther's dead. Another case closed at the night court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly that thing in M. Yeah. Where where the like people bring Peter Laurie underground and like do some some street justice. <laughs> uh so I mentioned that um Nora was on her way to go see Jan. <laughs> so Jan is like getting cozy with Nora and she's like, Ah, just let me slip into something more comfortable. <laughs> and as she's, you know, off in the bedroom, she starts getting these pains and the serum wears off. Jan comes in and he's like, hey, Nora, I'm all looped up. I'm ready. And Nora comes out and he's like, oh, God, no, and dies. <laughs> um, Nora comes creepily at the the camera. Um, so I think she like chokes him out or something. But yeah. there's also the shock of like, you're not beautiful woman, Nora. You're some kind of hag or, or witch. <laughs> so Nora... Returns to Dr. Burner and she's like, Doctor, I'm, I'm fucked up again. And he's like, don't worry, I planned it this way. Here's a new serum, this will be permanent. Don't worry. Um, so she takes it. And he's like, great, so now uh, Fedora's next. And she's like, oh, gr- great, the cute one. <laughs> Before each of their deaths, Gunther and Jan and now Fedora have received threatening notes being like, you have lived too long, and and so on and so forth. You're next. <laughs> and Fedora is like, I mean, I know that Gunther has disappeared, and Jan 
died horribly in his own apartment. But I don't think there's anything to these thefts. <laughs> and Nora's like, no, I think you should take them seriously and maybe get out of town. Uh, not that I know anything, of course. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Nora, you're, these are nothing. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. So Nora goes back to Dr. Burner and she's like, I can't do it, Doctor. I love him. I, I can't do it. I'll kill anyone else but not him. And Dr. Burner is like, so you betray me, eh? And goes to um, take some nitric acid to throw at her face to disfigure her again. Because his argument is like, it took becoming beautiful for you to betray me, etc. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, you, blah. She's reneged on the deal. Yeah. And just as he's about to throw it, she pulls out a gun and goes bang, bang, bang and kills him. From nowhere. There was no setup that she had this gun. This is like the anti-Chekhov's gun. Yeah, and it's dope. She's like shooting right at the camera. Yeah, it's great. I do think that Burner could have saved himself, like, some effort here by withholding the serum that made the change permanent until, like, after all three guys were dead. Like, come on, dude. Well... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Nora flees, but uh, there was someone from the underground, uh, the underground night court, watching the doctor's house for his protection. And he's like, oh shit, someone's running out of his house, finds the doctor is dead, and reports back to Pelesco. Nora goes to Fedora, and she's like, hey, we gotta get out of town, like, right now. Why? Well, I can't tell you why. We just gotta go. But it's too late. Members of the night court, I guess, capture them and bring them back to the the night court. And we get a little bit of a, uh, like, Fedora, you're being held responsible for Murda's death. Um, And he's like, I honestly had nothing to do with it. Like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Nora tries to explain, no, he's innocent. And that's why I killed Dr. Burner. And then Fedora's like, no, I killed Dr. Burner. Don't kill Nora. Back and forth. Whatever. So <laughs> Palesco's like, fuck it. Let's torture them. Yeah, they, they keep confessing to each other's crimes to try and get the other person off the hook. And, like, Nora's like, Palesco, it's me, the witch. And he's like, mm, no, the witch was really ugly. That's some bullshit. So, no, you're, you're both going to die. Now, their method of torture is putting Fedora up against a wall and throwing knives at him. You know, like in a... In a sideshow? Yeah. They're holding Nora back, and she escapes and manages to block the knife that would have killed Fedora, but it's, it gets her in the belly. And she's like, oh, no, I'm dying. Before I die, let me repeat that Fedora is innocent, and I'm the witch, and this is what has been going on, and now I die. And then she turns back to the witch as she dies, you know, as... Like you how these do. things work, yeah, they always, the thing wears off after the person dies. It doesn't really make sense in this case, but it's what happens. Yeah. Seeing that Nora was telling the truth about being the witch, Pallas goes like, huh, well, Fedora, <laughs> I, I guess you're free to go. And he <laughs> walks out of the stunned room. Yeah, because what else do you do? <laughs> what else is he supposed to do? I don't know. Just walk back to his life? Yep. And now the sole owner of a presumably uh penniless pharmaceutical company. Yeah. So that's the movie. <laughs> yep, that's the movie. 
there's a lot of tropes that we've seen before, like the doctor going mad. Like, it's a little bit, like, it reminded me of, like, the devil bat a little bit, because, um, like, that was perfume, but we haven't had a, like, pharmaceutical company kind of plot. Pharmaceutical companies. Bad guys since way back. Since way back. But yeah, it's it's the same kind of, like, company screws over the, like, genius story, right? Which we've had with scientists, we've had it with versions of Vincent Price. Yeah, um, you but know. most frequently, I think, with Boris Karloff. Yeah. Because and of Columbia. Right, and then, like, he's out for revenge. It's also the scientist with the dead daughter, right? And then he also has, like, a magic potion that changes your appearance but the thing that's different is he's not using that on like himself yeah i think the one like new thing thrown into the mix here is that the monster going and doing the crimes isn't just a mindless brute Mm. it's specifically a lady going in to seduce then kill Mm mm-hmm which also made me think of, like, is the use of the witch here supposed to be a little bit like the use, the old school use of the vamp? Yeah, I mean, I, it's tough to say, because, like, maybe there's stuff about the word witch in, like, 1950s Mexican culture that we just don't have, but, like, it does just kind of seem like she's called that because she looks like storybook ass witch yeah with like a big nose and like weird buck teeth that like are you know all jagged and she's missing some and then like one of her eyes is all messed up and the movie's in black and white but if it was in color uh her skin would probably be green yeah yeah absolutely you know but yeah she's definitely like assuming a vamp role but this is, the, the reason why I say this is still the same structure as the resuscitated monster is because this is still, mad scientist finds something else to be the instrument of his revenge and, like, creates that something to basically go out towards what he wants revenge on and go on dates with it and, <laughs> like, you know, set it up for a trap. Right? And then the one rule is, like, don't fall in love with the target. And then the assassin monster falls in love with the target and is, like, turns against the doctor. Like, that's the same in both movies. I feel like that's, besides the structure of go on a date (laughs) to create a trap, um, I feel like both of those are loose enough that you can see more of the inspiration from the other, like, mainly universal movies. Mm-hmm. In La Bruja's case, it feels more like an inspiration from the Columbia movies. Yeah, with like a dash of... Like if this was a universal movie, Aquanetta would have played the yeah. part of like the witch. Yeah, you right? got some Paula Dupree in here. As we said, there's a bit of the M influence with the yeah. Night Court, but... Beyond the Night Court, that's really kind of it. Um, that's also some Hunchback of Notre Dame shit yeah. up in here, right? With like the, the I forget what they're called in Hunchback of Notre Dame, like the Court of Fools or, or something like that. It's it's a lot of different stuff thrown together. That is, that's definitely for sure. Yeah. What's interesting is that the resuscitated monster, you could directly link to the Universal Horror movies. Mm-hmm. Whereas the witch, 
you can link to other maybe horror adjacent movies sure. of the time. Yeah. Like Hunchback of Notre Dame is mm-hmm. a great example. So it makes me wonder maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but it makes me wonder if this is even horror. I kept wondering that through the movie. Yeah. Like am I I kept going back and forth on it too. Because there's also like you know, in typical Mexican fashion, there's also a very healthy dose of melodrama. Yes. Here. I, I feel like that's a lot of the motivations for the way that they cover or portray the way Nora is torn with yeah. whether to kill Fedor, as well as um, during the confessions yeah. at the night court. The thing that sort of inches me over into horror is that, like... For one thing, it's just, like, too fucking bizarre to be, like, really <laughs> be anything, anything else. else. But, like, I would say that this movie's, like, if you did the Twilight Zone as a telenovela. Like, this is the, like, melodramatic Mexican version of a Twilight Zone episode. Right? With, like, the bad guys get their just desserts, but then there's, like, an ironic, tragic twist kind of thing. Sure. Um... Yeah, I think the fact that, like, she dies at the end and, like, we just have, like, Fedor left kind of standing empty-handed going, like, what the fuck? That's kind of brought me around to horror a bit. And, yeah, it's just, it. the closest thing is that kind of, like, that moral allegory style of horror movie, right? Yeah. Where the villains are going to get punished, but then the punishers like Dr. Burner and Nora also need to be punished too. Yeah, right? It's this they're like, still doing murder. Right. So it's like this very like moral absolutist kind of universe that tends to be the universe that horror movies take place in. Yeah. I I would say as well that like the people making the movie mm. take a lot of time and put in a lot of effort to do unique things with the camera and mm-hmm. with lighting that would be in line with what you would expect from a horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. The style of it. The thing that's wild about the movie is it just throws you a lot of curveballs that it sort of expects you to just go with. Yeah. Like, everything about Palescu's whole deal. Like, when he first gets brought, that is Dr. Burner, first gets brought to Palescu and is like, you know, he's been stabbed in the back, we need you to help him. There's no explanation of who this guy is or where he is or what's going on. Like, he just gets led into, like, the ground floor of this, like, shitty building in the slums and then, like, down into the basement, which is, like, this weird cavernous warehouse catacomb basement. And then there's, like, all these, like, wretched people there and they're all calling Palescu Master. And it's like, okay... Yeah, and what's also weird is that, like, the person who comes and gets Dr. Burner is a little person. Yes. Named Asa. And when he first comes in, like, I was like, oh, is this his servant? Because he's right. the mad scientist right. in this movie. Yeah, he looks a lot like Angelo Rosito from Freaks. It didn't really click in my head what these people were supposed to be. Until the scene where the night court is sentencing Gunther and Palescu's talking about, like, we are the urban poor who, like, the rich of society, like, look down upon and, like, insult and, like, avoid. 
and, you know, do nothing to help or whatever. And it was like, oh, okay, these are like homeless people. That's what these are. Yeah. Because, like, up until then it was like, are these, like, weird, like, circus people? Are these, like, what, what, are they, are they Roma? Like, because that's what I thought maybe at one point. And I just, but okay, yeah. So, and then suddenly, once you've kind of figured out, like, okay, these people who live underground are homeless people, then it's like, now, join our weird court of the night with this dagger ceremony. And the movie's just like, you know, like, like you, you do. do. Yeah, like they're, like everybody, <laughs> right? Doesn't everybody, every city has this, right? Like, Well, I wonder if that's why it's set in the Balkans rather than in Mexico. Yeah, it's so Eastern it's Europe. In... Everybody knows weird shit happens in Eastern Europe. Yeah, it has kind of the feeling of like mysticism or like mysterious eastern europe yeah especially because the film opens with like this text that's like eastern europe's so weird isn't it they got witches <laughs> they got people who want youth Whoa. yeah definitely so i think lilia del valle does like a pretty good performance as the witch slash nora yeah, I think she manages to act fairly well underneath all of that makeup, especially because, like, pretty much only her one eye yeah, is, is, is really, shown. Yeah, it is a better makeup job than what we got in Resuscitated Monster. Yes, um, but it is just as thick. Yeah. I also think everyone else in the cast does a pretty good job, considering that, like, characters in this movie have two dimensions at most. Yeah. Right? Like, the Dr. Burner, like, he gets to have kind of the, you know, I was a kindly medicine man who was looking to help humanity, but now, now I am, you know, the agent of vengeance kind of thing. Like, he gets to have those two <laughs> aspects to him, and, like, Nora gets to have, like, I'm the poor put-upon witch, now I'm the, like, fancy countess. Everyone else is just like, I'm a pharmaceutical company guy, so I'm evil, because money. Right? Like, no... Yeah, that tracks. Sure. <laughs> um, but I think even with that, like, everybody's doing a pretty good job here. Yeah, I would agree. And like I said, like, the filmmaking that's going on here, you can see that there is talent. You can see that there is effort mm -hmm. being put in. Um, so all around, like, a, a fairly good movie. Yeah, I would fairly say good so. wild movie. Yes, it's, it's definitely a movie that's freed... It's interesting to see these movies where we're taking the tropes from Hollywood, but we're kind of freed of that formula in the sense of, like, there's a correct way to put these tropes together, yeah. right? Where, like, you would never do, you know, a movie that mixed things this way in Hollywood because there'd be producers there who would tell you, like, no, that's not how these tropes work, Right. So yeah, it's just it's just always interesting to see kind of these other takes. Yeah, I would agree. Um, would you like to move on to ranking? Yeah, for sure. Where were you looking? I kind of just had a spot picked out. Let's hear it. Okay. The first movie I immediately was comparing this with was El Monstro Resuscitado, which is the previous Uraretta film we have on the list. And as I said, has like, the bones of the story are the same, but all the like, meat on the bones is completely different. Right? Yeah. This is like you're having fish rather than beef. Right. If fish and beef had the same skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was a poor simile. Yeah. Um, so I was looking where El Monstro Resuscitado was, which is number 55 on the list currently. Okay. Right above that 
is El Fantasma del Convento. I think that La Bruja is a better movie than El Monstro Resuscitado. I think like it shows the same team developing their skills, honing their skills. Like This movie makes a modicum of more sense than El Monstro does and like feels... A little bit more coherent beginning to end. Even the filmmaking yeah. is better. Like, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't like have all the weird editing choices that El Monstro had. Yeah, so yeah. I think this is a better movie. Um, but it's not as effective at being horror as El Fantasma del Convento. So I kind of just want to put it right in there at the new number 55. I think that's a great spot. Um, I was kind of at a loss of where to approach the list. Yeah, I, I think this makes a lot of sense. Okay, so entering the list at the new number 55, below El Fantasma del Convento and above El Monstro Resuscitado is La Bruja, from 1954, directed by Chano Urreta. If you would like to see this list, you can go to our website, screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com. There you can find links to the other movies we've mentioned today, as well as our appeals box. If you would like to contest this or any other ranking, you can drop us a line there. You can reach out over email at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com or over Twitter at underscore screamscene. Screamscene updates every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcasts from by subscribing to our RSS feed. If you'd like to help the show out, you can leave us a rating or a review especially on Apple Podcasts. Those really help the show get seen and noticed by new listeners. Or you can help us get new listeners directly by talking about the show on social media, sharing the show with your friends, with people who you think might be interested. Uh, or if you have the means, you can also support the show by heading over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast, where you can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. We also give out bonus rewards for people in the $5 and $10 level. Uh, bonus audio comes out every week. In the past, we've had short stories. We've had uh, music. We've had um, essays. Audiobooks. Audiobooks. Um, we always do something special for the Halloween season, which is coming up. So check it all out. And uh, if you can, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. So what are we watching next week, Ben? Next week, Sarah, we are going to have a very big episode. A monstrous episode. Yes, a, a giant monstrous episode. A kaiju episode. A daikaiju episode. Oh. Yes, it's going to be 400 feet tall. <laughs> we are going to Japan, and we are watching the original Ishiro Honda film, Gojira, better known in the West, as Godzilla. Awesome. Hopping on the train to Japan. <laughs> That's right. That train to Tokyo I mentioned earlier. <laughs> this is a movie that it really means a lot to Sarah and I, and we're really, really excited about doing this episode. Yes, it's uh, going to be a long one. Yes. So see you next week, Creatures of the Night. Bye! Bye! Bye!